Welcome back to the Original Gangsters Podcast. I'm Jimmy Bucciolato here in Home Studio, and my co-conspirator and partner in crime, Scott Bernstein, is back with us. Hey, now. He was uh, missing in action last week. He was at the Vegas Mob Museum. He's on the Board of Advisors. So, uh, But we're back teaming up again. And before we get started, just want to remind everyone to please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our audio podcast. And also please follow us on social media. Help spread the word. We really appreciate it. A new milestone. I've been trying to uh, text this to Scott and Benny, but it's it's not going through. I'm having some connectivity issues in my basement right well, now. I got, I got the text. Uh, oh, you did? So we got uh, getting close to 3 million audio downloads. So uh, And I know we're well over a million views on YouTube. So we're we're making progress. We appreciate everyone's support. Um, you say yeah, share. I was going to say share, like, subscribe. Um, you know, everything you do in terms of amplifying us on social media, you know, pays dividends and, and has, you know, affects hopefully in a positive way, the amount of content we could give you uh, going forward. And I, I want to just, before we bring on our guest, I'm, I'm real excited to get his insight on our subject matter. We're going to, we're going to do a, a a drill down the life and crimes of Joe Massino, the um, iconic Queens mafia boss um, from the Bonanno crime family, who was the most uh, high profile, notorious New York mafia Don of the late 20th century. Um, and then became the first full-fledged New York mafia Don, most powerful New York mafia Don to ever uh, cooperate with the government. And I, I want to just tease it out for people that I think we're going to start doing um, some of these life and crimes uh, deep dives uh, into intriguing, compelling, historically significant uh, members of organized crime, uh, whether they coincide with a death or an anniversary or just it, it, uh, it, it, it's, it, me and Jimmy are inclined to talk about someone on that particular day or week, like we did last a uh, couple weeks ago with, with Nikki Scarfo. So, you know, with no further ado, <laughs> Jimmy, why don't you introduce our guest who's going to give us some some extra uh, unique insider um, analysis of this. Yeah, we're fortunate to have our friend Frank Fiordolino back with us. He's our returning champ. He's been on our podcast before, and uh, I've, been, I've been friends with Frank for a while. So, um, And he has direct uh, knowledge about this. Uh, Frank, welcome. Thanks for joining hey, us. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it, how's it going? Uh, Scott, James, how are you? Good, good. We're good. Doing well. Thank you for having me again. Um, it was uh, it was nice. I had a good time last time. So, uh, see if I could uh, duplicate it this time around. Yeah, Frank, I'm gonna yeah, throw a softball at you. That. Oh, sorry, sorry, uh, Jimmy. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, I'm gonna throw a softball at you. Just uh, you know, the news broke about two weeks ago uh, that that he had died. Uh, had come back to New York and, and passed away, Joe Messino. Um, when? How did you hear about it? And what was your first reaction? Oh. Um, I heard about it through, uh, I think it was Joe Molino's, uh, I, I, I didn't hear it from him himself, not, obviously right. not, but I, I heard it from, uh, someone who was listening to Joe Molino and he reported it. I was actually at a Mexican restaurant and I got the news and, and I, for, for all purposes, I, I figured that would be legit. Uh, you know, he has, uh, good lawyers around him and, and, and that, and, I gotten like four or five telephone calls after that one being the do. I, I don't know. I don't know who else, who else had called me at the time. I, I, anyways, it was a five to six phone calls I got. And then I was like, was there smoke? There's fire probably happened. Then that was, that was, uh, that was it. Uh, he, he was old. It was not unbelievable. You know what I mean? Were you sad? I mean, was this something? What kind of emotions were going through you when you heard that he finally kicked at eighty? Sad? No, no, not sad. Um, not happy, but nothing. Just nothing. I mean, um, it's nothing. It was. It was just as if another just uh, old gangster died. Because, and I want to throw it over to Jimmy in a sec. But let me just throw this out there, and then get both of your guys. Uh, reactions to it because sure. I think I, I think no matter how you slice it, and you can talk about someone like that 
making his own bed and having to sleep in it and talk about uh, someone that's, uh, you know, a known killer uh, of multiple people for whatever reason. I don't necessarily think that we should feel, quote unquote, bad for them or sad. But I do think where Joe Messino was at the end of his life is significant to his story. He he didn't go and have this great second chapter. He wasn't someone that was living uh, this amazing uh, alternate alternative life uh, from his days as a as a right. mom. It, it was it was in, I use the term loosely, but it was tragic in the sense that this man had been at the apex of power in the underworld of this country. And at the end, from what I could from my research and reporting at the very, very end, he came home and, and reconciled with some people, but it was, uh, it was, it was very lonely, uh, uh, final years for him where he was isolated from everybody. Um, and, and was as far away you could get from, from his former life. And it wasn't a pleasant. Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing was like his former life when he before he had cooperated, and that was evident. And 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 when he eventually went into these units, these uh, what if you will, his witness units, these rat units, whatever, whatever, and he had a really rough time uh, coping with that. People didn't give a fuck who he was anymore. So that was excuse the language, but um, that that was as real as it gets. People were not didn't care you know so his rude awakening started from the moment he became a cooperated um back back to myself at this point when he became a cooperator i known him maybe a year and a half i mean our relationship on the outside was almost non-existent i do meet him one time uh and then when i would see him now and then it'd be a nod here and there how's it going whatever but um but you got to remember too i come from a total different faction of the family you know what i mean and not that uh, you know not that he he didn't um it was he didn't grow up around me the people that grew up around me they were no longer around you understand we're so, talking about the difference between brooklyn and queens right no 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 we, we it was the same neighborhood it was more the difference between american and sicilian okay you know that that's where it was i if by the time he goes to jail in 85 or 86. My family, as far as the people I know, my family, my family's friends, even here in Italy, they're almost non-existent. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're getting murdered back home. Um, and what I mean home is Sicily. Here, they're, they're all getting arrested. My, my, not only my people I knew, but my friends, my friends, their fathers, their their, their their relatives. So this whole new resurfacing of uh, of uh, the mob that I was used to 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 noticing around was all it wasn't there anymore. You know, we we were getting the uh, Americanized version. And as far as the Bonanno family, it was pretty much uh, demolished at that time. Around eighty five, eighty six, you had Rostelli who got uh, picked up on that that <laughs> the Borsch's case. And then you had Joe who went away, and then Sal, who Sal Vitali, that is, who started uh, trying to regroup whatever was left. So, uh, Jimmy, yeah, Benny, you want to throw up that picture of uh, uh, Sal and well, Joe just, let's, uh, let, let, just for people that aren't New Yorkers, let's let's try to um, paint a picture of how the Sicilian wing of the Bananos interacts or. Uh, well, works by, in conjunction, but I just just I I know you I know you're from Queens, and I apologize for the lapse. Uh, but the there's a big portion of the of the Sicilian wings that come from you know Brooklyn, right, in Manhattan. The, uh, not at that time. At that time, most whatever's left of the Sicilian faction of the uh, is either in jail, and even the ones that were in jail, a lot of them came from the Bushwick area. Yeah. Some were from Bensonhurst that actually lived there, but they they there as far as their operations that was done in Ridgewood, you know, and Bushwick and uh, right. Middle Village, um, Maspeth, but that that was the areas. 
as far as like their main operations was not like Benson or his Brooklyn, you know, like where the Sicilian zips of the Gambino family operated. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and then let's just give uh let's just try to do a quick um I don't want to say uh, bio uh but but yeah let's just just do a quick bio on on well I'll give you, I'll give you my- just, just I'm saying for the audience yeah. that probably already knows this but Joe Massino it was was mentored by Rusty Ristelli who yes he was mentored by Ristelli. Then, uh, not as young as people think that that he was. It was a little bit later in life. He gets um met he 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 starts going around with Stella about 73, 74. He gets made around 77. He got made we, the summer summer of 77. Exactly. The summer of Sam, we call it back in New York. And um around that time, he, he becomes a captain around 79, 80, so or, or an acting captain at that. I don't know for sure. So his wife, Frank, but Frank, just so, I just want people to understand that that Massino is, or is he? I want to put a, pose it as a question. He's on the opposite side uh, of the zips, right? Not not at that point. Okay. Not at that point. Uh, when he starts. That that turnabout comes. They they're on the same side on the um, on the on the Galante hit. Now the right. Galante hit is in seventy nine, summer seventy nine. Right. So at that point, they're all on the same side. The 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 tug of war begins. The early tug of war begins when the Sicilians, right after that that uh, Galante hit, seemed like they're wanting to be the power on top. And Ristelli had a different kind of idea for that. So little little um little incidents were starting to occur. They all on the same page on by 81 still on that um three captain uh hit. Are you familiar with that one, Jay? Yeah. 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 So yeah. If you, you want to talk about that if you want. Go ahead. So the three captain hit, there's a little bit discord in the family. Apparently the three captain, uh the three captains, and that's Andocado. Um, Trinchera and who's the other freaking guy that's there? So it, it was the three, Ciccone, three captain. Yeah, uh, Phil Lucky Ciccone. You had Big Trini, uh, Dominic Trinchera, and uh, Sonny and Delicato. Or sorry, um, you had Alphonse, Sonny uh, Red, Sonny Red and Delicato. Yeah, and you had, <laughs> but in in like you pointed out in '79, you had all these guys, all these factions coalesce. They're all on the same side. They even have the commission backing them up right. on the Galante. Well, even Galante's own subunit turns on Galante. But then in the two years between 79 and 81, the, the groups that had come together to eliminate Galante are ha, ha, the, the relationships between those groups have frayed, which leads to the Massino Ristelli group uh, backing the, the Sunny Black group and getting rid of. Sonny Red and, and and his two uh, right loyalists. Sonny Red, Philly, and Trinquera. Uh, Trinquera. They want to they want to do their own thing. They want to run their family on a three panel committee. Apparently, that's how they they took it. And they were going to have a meeting and and discuss what was going to happen. So they had one in Brooklyn, and that's where you get the three captain head. That, and, Messi- that. and Messino quarterback this thing. I mean, even though Messino wasn't uh, a ball, not really. Okay, so you not you really know, as far as that meeting was put together by um it, it, the 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 tip faction. Matter of fact, Santo Giordano was the one that greeted everybody that day. Yeah. Um. Who else did they have there? They had Santo. They had they had George from, uh, George from Canada. Vito Rizzuto was there too. My uncle Frank was also. Navarro was also there. So there was a whole bunch of people there, but I'm talking about the people that were the shot callers were the, them and Sonny Black's crew, along with Joe, just going for the ride at the time. Joe was was uh, the guy looking on the side, but at the same time with, with big ambition, obviously that we know now. But at the same time, it wasn't looking that way. He didn't he didn't make it look like his goal was to become the boy scout one day or even have uh, Philly uh, Rostelli be the guy, you understand? Because yeah, he was that- seeing all these egos and these egos were all about 
after Gallant they hit, there's no way in the, the, the Sicilian faction is putting it in their head that they're going to be the boss. Their guys are going to be up there. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And the Philly, uh, Philly study goes, no, I'm going to get this family one time. He's got the uh, commission. He's got other Italian-American uh, gangsters around him, like the Gotti crew, uh, helping him out just in case if they need backup. So everybody has these different intentions where this family wants to go. And then the three captain hits happens. But it is, isn't the fact that Messino was able to keep all of his intentions and ambitions close to the vest. Doesn't that speak to his savvy? I mean, the fact that he learned from Rostelli, who was the of opposite course. of the opposite of Galante and the fact that Messino, although he was uh, somebody, if, if you were in the know would have known that he was a rising star, he wasn't someone that really surfaced in the media uh, until later on in his career. So doesn't that kind of speak to that with the, how Rostelli taught, Messino, how to operate kind of more in the shadows than the, the, I, yeah. the Cesare's and the and the uh, cigar. Okay, now now as far as I, looking back, you would think maybe that that Rastelli had more hands to do. I think that Messino was in Rastelli's head at a very very early stage. Um, like decisions that Messino couldn't do on his own, he just helped provoke it by initiating um, Rostelli in him, you know, by putting him like, ah, you know, this guy's going to go do this and that. How much of it was truth and how much of it was fiction? You know, how how, how much of truth was Joe Messino actually going to uh, Rostelli and telling? He was a master manipulator. We know that. Later on, he blames other scenarios on other people, and, I, and we'll get to that. And, um, you know, here, here comes 1984. And there's a there's a situation with with Caesar Boventry and uh, Ristelli. Okay, the, the situation and, and and Caesar was a bigger up and comer than uh, Messino was at that stage. Yeah. All right. So they get into it. Caesar gets into it with Ristelli, which not many people would do back then. I don't want to. I don't want to go through the particulars there because it's as you know, it's part of a book we're discussing. And they get into this. And if I'm a little bit held back in what I'm, you know, my uh, my uh, delivery today, it's because a lot of this stuff is going to uh, be put on paper. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I, I mean, in terms of one thing, I've reported it before that the impetus to kill uh, Cesare Bonaventri came from him telling Rostelli to fuck off and leaving, right. a sit, leaving a sit down. Uh, walking right, away uh, from a sit down that he had been called to, right? But who know who, who knew who initiated the actual murder after right. that? Could have been like, uh, you know, we're going to go to the sit down about this and discuss it. We yeah. know the person who was in, involved in that in that in that beef was uh, another zip that that Caesar was supposedly yeah. putting his foot on his neck. You it know, col- it colors up what you're saying about him, though. That a guy like that at that age, he was only 32 years old, and he's got a old school Don that he doesn't have enough respect for to speak properly to. And he felt like he could get away. Well, no, it goes to show the frame of mind that the the, uh, the Sicilian faction of the Bonanno yeah. had at the time right. after the Galante hit. It, they felt that this was going to be their thing. And it wasn't going to be – if, if Carmen Galante was doing – we want to do what he was doing. Well, they seen the money he was making, kind of, you know. He, he didn't show everything, but they, they must have been like, this is what I want. This is what they – you know. And uh, Rostelli – Kind of, I, I either one or the other. Either Joe knew that these, these guys are not going to give up uh, that easy. We're, eventually, we're going to have a beef with these people, and that was that was the, the, the I, I consider it one of the last beefs they had among each other, and uh, until Georgio. But that's that's neither here nor there. I, I'll, I'll get to that, but they. He gets offended. They call for a meeting, um, and they and they ambush him. They 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 ambush Caesar. They get him in a car, and Salvatali shoots him. They put him in the in, in the trunk, and ha ha stabs him. And there you go. Caesar's gone. Frank, uh, let me ask you. And by the way, if, if people wondering what Frank was um, 
alluding to a, a minute ago, Frank and I are, are working on a project, hopefully to get published a, a book about um, the, the Sicilian mafia from mafiosi from Castellamare, which is which is where Frank is born, where my family is from. Um, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna expand on this and and get into this more, hopefully with that book project. But um, what was um, do you remember? You were quite young at the time, but yeah. do you have any sense what what Frank, uh, what your uncle Frank Navarra, and guys like that, what they what they thought about? Ristali and Messino and like the Italian Americans, um, what was what was their sense? Did they respect them? Were they friendly with yeah, them? Yeah, my, my uncle, my uncle Cheech had a very good relationship with him. That, that I knew, and that I, you know, and even Ristelli. Ristelli, um, there was a lot of Sicilian Americans around them that that used to come to uh, to Ridgewood in a, in a coffee shop that were close to him. So he was respected. It wasn't nothing uh, out of the ordinary. I just felt that they thought. Um, and I'm not putting words uh, in, involved in this, but they felt that Ristelli was old school and they were going to move on. There was a lot of gangsters in the 60s, early 70s were no longer around. And they and he felt that he filled that mold at that time. You understand Ristelli did. Yeah. Um, was was your uncle Cheech? Was he still he was still alive in 84, right? He was still around, right? Oh, yeah. Now he died in 2000. Yeah, that's what I thought. So. Did you have any sense of, uh, again, you were quite young, but well, like Joe Bucciolato, Frank Navarra, some of those guys from Castellamare, what was their sense when they found out that Bonventre was um, was was murdered? Well, it was a number of a lot of things. It was like I said before, things that were going on in Italy, things that were going on in the United States, like the pizza connection case. It was It felt that they were. They were losing men and quickly they were becoming the thing of the past. You know, people say, well, you know, they resurfaced, uh, the Sicilian faction resurfaced in 2000. It never did. It never got back to anywhere near it was after 85, 86 and and after that. And as far as my uncle, he went with the game. You know, he was a he was a Messino guy. And uh, and if you weren't, (laughs) you didn't last long. You got separated, too. If you were, uh, let's say, when when Baldo came out of jail in 89, he was put with other crews that could kind of more or less monitor monitor him. And he was never rose above soldier. You know, that was done purposely. You know, when when uh, eventually Giorgio speaks, he talks um subordinate or doesn't really really feels that he could always go to Canada and do whatever the fuck he wants, you know, and the TG incident and other incidents involved. He pays with it with his life. You understand? So Messino always had that in back of his head. And and uh yeah. Frank, so talk about Messino goes to prison in 87-ish. Right. 86. And uh you have his brother-in-law, uh, Sal Vitali, who um, is uh, Joe Messino's married to Sal's sister. And you have Anthony Spiro, who is a capo conciliary who right. steps up to a, a kind of an acting boss type role. Uh, so those is it basically those two that are keeping things in order uh, between the uh, mid eighties to the early nineties when um, Messino comes out of prison. No, I, I mean Spiro was a was a uh, Anthony Spiro was a very respected uh, gangster in his own right, but it was more at the helm of taking care of things. And I guess that was just Joe being Joe. It was his brother in law. He wanted to know everything, and he wanted to know who was uh, fraternizing with who. And it and it and it caused a problem when Joe came out. A lot of people don't know that after he came because he was very very always um, he always he was, always was worried about who was going to take a position or always talking about who wanted to do you, you know who who backstab him. He was too much. He was very his head to the ground. They said that's very true. Um, his his brother in law. After he came out of jail, they would th- after Joe came out of jail, his brother-in-law, they would tell him that he was spending a lot of time on 101st Avenue with the Gotti crew. Yeah. 
And they told him that Restivo was always up there too. And they were starting to, uh, that'd be Louis Restivo. Louis Restivo, yeah. Yeah, who was a family friend as well. See, when we talk about factions, I known him for as a kid and even as a grown up forever. And um, they were they were always at the over there, basically kissing the Gotti's ass. So when Joe got winded at, he started. Although his brother did the right thing by him, his brother in law rather, you know, when he was out, he started um, nitpicking that shit, and he he went so far at one point that he demoted uh, Louis Restivo from a captain down to a to um to a soldier. And a lot of people thought that was the, the reason behind that was because they were kissing a lot of ass. You understand? Wasn't there, Frank, wasn't there rumors that might have came out after Joe flipped or not? I mean, even rumors, maybe Joe himself. What, that about his brother-in-law wanted to kill him? Yeah, that the brother-in-law and the guy had been not. conspiracy. Nah, that's true. No, he didn't have the balls. Do you well? Do you think I, I like, you think like do you think John Gotti though and the Gotti faction? Might I don't have, think they would entertain that. Okay. Why they had you know they had they had that third seat in the commission. I mean, they grew up. To, what 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 was the reason behind that? You know. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't. You know. They, you got to remember something. When um, Sabatelli flips, Joe sees fucking red. He hates his fucking yeah. guy. Just can't stand. Him. And the days I was around him, it was like his wrath. You'd hear it every fucking. He, you know, he went so far as to calling him um, Fredo. <laughs> right, <laughs> but but yeah, he just, didn't he say on the stand that one of his biggest regret is that he didn't kill him, that he didn't kill Sal before he had a chance to to flip him? I I don't know. He probably did. Yeah. it at all because uh, yeah, he was he was pretty annoyed with him. You know what I mean? So let's let's go back to ninety one. Uh, sure, Phil, Phil Rostelli, Rusty Rostelli, uh, finally he had been sick for a while. Uh, finally succumbs um, to his health ailments. And in the summer of 91, Massino is officially elected boss of the Bananos. And me and Jimmy talked about this, I think, on a previous episode. Uh, maybe we didn't. Maybe we talked about it off air and <laughs> I'm conflating. Yeah. But right. there was a there was an actual contingent of bananos that had to go in july of that year to montreal uh to tell the montreal faction that messino had, had become the new boss right i remember that i think frank Lino was one of them at yeah. the time yeah and yeah they went to a oh. montreal expos mets games that john, well, franco, john franco yes yeah, set, the, set the, the famous relief pitcher who was friends with yeah. these guys gave him a uh, box seats yeah um no yeah that that seemed to be accurate as well was, so was, Joe, actually, huh? was, was Joe Bucciolato part of that contingent that went to Montreal? Because I know he used to go to Montreal to meet yeah, with. Not in I, 90, have, I think your uncle was dead by then. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think he went. I have I have a list. I don't believe he was on that list. When did your uncle die? Um, I thought it was. A, yeah, um, I'd have to go. I, I'd have to. I'd have to look. Yeah, I, 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 I think he was still alive then, but he he, he was he, he was in bad. Probably out of the loop for sure. Though. Right, right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, talk, so, yeah. so Frank, talk about what Messino starts to do in 91 when he, he finally he's out of prison. He has the family. Uh, all of the the rivalries, at least for temporarily, have been stumped. Like out. I said, it was slow motion at the time. He um he wants to do away with the with the uh, social clubs. You know, the social clubs came about like like I told you, as far as the Bonanno family itself, when he goes to jail, let's go back to that. When he goes to jail, the Bonanno is a it's starting to look like a, a family, a family that lived in a ghost town. You know, there was no uh, not many clubs that were left. There was the key food and mass, but there was Joe Saunders club and. Greenpoint on Meeker Avenue, you know, they started resurfacing again and they became like little by little. There was so much other stuff going around that they they felt they slipped through the cracks. Do you understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it was the Italian American side of the family that was coming up because the Sicilian side, like I told you, was non existent at that time. There, and, were, uh, there were Sicilian guys, but they weren't. It was just guys. They weren't saying. at the top. They weren't calling no shots. Just, right. it, as a matter of fact, they were going with the flow. Mm -hmm. um, they were doing money things. If they they were getting uh, 
It wasn't the gambling aspect of it. It wasn't like back in the day where it was a lot of drugs, the loan shock. And, you know, it was it was just little by little. Um, it was starting to go away. The Sicilians were. It, t- tell us, who were the guys that Massino had around him? Who were, who was his inner circle uh, in the 90s, if you can? Well, in the beginning, shit, he starts taking a liking of money guys real quick. So guys that he was around, that, that would be Copa, Canarella, um, little by little. Earners, guys that can earn. Earners, earners, and their kids, believe it or not. Um, even though he demotes Louis, Louis runs the restaurant in uh, Casablanca in Mass, but so he puts him in the restaurant to run, you know? Yeah. And he has them around him. So it, it, it's more like people that can't really, he doesn't worry about as much, you understand? But he can make money from. Mm-hmm. And even even just by making these people's kids, he was like, uh, he wasn't. He, he wanted the money, but he didn't want the backlash one day or the, uh, uh, he, you know, he's seen all the treachery. He didn't want that to happen to him. Yeah, that makes sense. Of course, it it comes to 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 bite him in the ass because those guys fold under <laughs> under questioning, right? Yeah, yeah a lot of the money from. from a, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but in the in the nineties, it's the Roman Empire. Yeah, I mean, it's still right. It's on the. Well, there's so much things happening to the other yeah. families at that time. They look yeah. like they're not being touched. Articles are coming out about not never had a made member rat in the family or whatever. So uh, it was building up this fucking I don't know what if you would call a mystique that that wasn't really there, you know. But you but you in a ten year period, let's say from eighty five to ninety five, you had the the a family that was like. Dead to rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right if you, if you really want to get, if you really want to yeah. get technical, I mean, the government fucked up. If they wanted to put the fucking the lid on it at that point, they could have. They just yeah. they, they they probably felt they did, and they just resurfaced again because of the other families and what was going on. You know, so it was like, okay, well, well, um, they they're done. Who cares? Shouldn't Messino get credit for that though? That in a matter of a decade, even some of that decade with him being in prison, he's yeah, able I to agree. resurrect the family to where it becomes the yeah. standard. Yeah, hundred, hundred percent, hundred percent, Scott. Of course, he should. I mean, um, that's what he did. That's why I, I call him one of the. Um, if he doesn't, if he doesn't roll, he's one of the best ever. Yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, you think about it. You know, comeback player of the year. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I get it. It's just. That that's that's just the way it happened for him. So what, what was his? Uh, talk a little bit more about uh, Baldo. You're, that's who you were under, and I was not. I was not, not under I, Baldo. Okay, I apologize. No, 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 no. I was more. I was a uh, under my uncle at one time, and then Vito Grimaldi after that. Okay, but and then my cousin after that. My cousin, you, my uncle Cheech's kid, who had you, been made. You were hanging at the Giannini Cafe, though, weren't you? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I grew okay. up with all those kids. All those kids, uh, a lot of them were their family members, were the ones, the Sicilians that either went to jail for a very long time or weren't around who got killed. So um, who, had, who had family back in Sicily. So uh, that's to the kids. That's who you're talking about, people my age. Okay. And, and Grimaldi and uh, Joe Saunders... Uh, right, those, those guys are are close to uh, Messino as well. Yeah, yeah, they definitely were close. Uh, they were close to them, and um, like everybody else, th- there was nobody that wasn't close to him at that point. The nineties, he he held it together. If he didn't, he he uh, he sent you to Siberia if he if he didn't like you or he got killed. A lot of people got killed in the nineties as well. Yeah, yeah, I want to bring something up. Scott mentioned Baldo Amato, so. Baldo Amato is Cesare Bonventre's right-hand man. He's part of the Galante hit. And if, if Frank, if you could talk us about talk to us about the machinations, because you actually had some interactions with Messino on this, that it came out later that the guys, when they were plotting the, the murder of Bonventre, asked right. Messino, what, what do we do if Baldo shows up? And according right. to, I think according to Vitaly, he says, Messino said, kill him too. And yeah, um, yeah. So what do you back, tell us about back that? To, back to what role Messino really had in the Caesar Bavantry murder. He he acts as if he was just one taking orders, but he was more he was more a co-conspirator uh, conspirator at, at, at that. He claims that that was not his decision, that was Rusty's decision, and that he 
had saved Baldo's life by saying, um, no, why, you know, because they wanted to kill him after for not showing up. And he said, no, we called him. He showed up. Uh, let, let's let's spare him. That, that's, that, that was Rusty's decision, he said. But he was also saying it in front of me, which probably wanted me to fucking, uh, he figured I'd go back to uh, Baldo one day and just let him know that that's what he that's what he had in his mind. This is after South Flips and all the uh, paperwork is out. So what do you think about that? Do you do you do you believe him that no he, no 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 he, <laughs> he no not at all no he so, he in his mind he at the minute the minute that murder that was the do all end all do all for him okay that season eventually murder because um he killed he killed a guy who would have given him a problem at the end of the day and he he knew that by. If he fucked up that hit, they were in trouble. They were in trouble. He had too many connections. Um, Canada would have been an uproar, you know. It, it would. It would have just Italy. It, it would have been bad for him. So it it ended up good for him. He he got what he wanted. He hit season, and, and that's and that's what happened. That's re- that's really intriguing, Scott. That like we don't think about Scott and I sometimes talk about the what ifs, and we've never cover like what if yeah, that's a right. <laughs> it doesn't go right Cesare had the juice probably to to hit to hit back well louis aha was like you guys better make me a captain now because if anybody finds out i had anything to do with this hit and they underestimated the power of the sicilian faction at that point because like i said a lot of them were in a lot of them were in jail okay a lot of them were being sorted out and not only that the faction that that Caesar was around, like our families and everything was around. They were having their own war and they were getting killed back home anyway. So, you know, it was perfect timing on Messino's side. He got lucky. Didn't Louis, didn't Louis Haha, who you're referencing as being a part of the Cesare Bonventure hit, didn't he be, eventually become an underboss? I don't remember him being an underboss. I remember him uh, always word on the street being a captain. Yeah. All right. Well, I think at one point he might have been acting underboss, but yeah, yeah I, it could have been. I, I don't know. Maybe when everybody was in jail, when everybody was in jail, there was such a shift in that family. Uh, who was? Uh, I mean, <laughs> coffee boy turned underboss. He had everything because everybody's got every 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 other week. And I wasn't talking about me. Every other week, somebody was getting picked up. You know, a full panel committee. Uh, then you had uh, guys that were made, and then six months they were captains. It was just, it it, it was a it, it was it was mayhem. And for people that don't, for people that don't know, uh, Frank, tell people how Louis Haha got his nickname. I don't know how he got his nickname. I uh, the way oh. he laughs or something like that when somebody hears bad news. I don't know. It um, was. It was when he hears about murders, he laughs. That was how. Oh, yeah, I, I, that, that was how, <laughs> I thought um, that was. I, I thought that was. I've seen him maybe once or twice in my life. I, I th- I'd say maybe twice. An ominous. Uh, <laughs> ominous yeah, no. Like, so like I you, told you, I wasn't too close to the American faction, and the and as Sicilians, the only reason I mean, growing up, I was close to them because. Like I told you, by the time I'm 15, 16, they ain't around no more. Was because they were like family. You understand? Uh, we would go to. And I worked in these clubs as a kid, these uh, gambling halls, and I knew them. And my family went back, so it was a respect thing. But uh, that—that's why. So a lot of these, the Americanized ones, I, I, I actually met on my own as I was getting older. Let me let me just—I uh, wanted to add something, Frank. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Just um, I'm missing just, something. I'm sorry. Um, just let me know. Yeah, no, it's 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 good. This stuff can't edit it too because this is coming out of trash. Yeah, yeah, I know we're we're jumping all over, but just to give an example of like when when Frank talks about people getting killed back in Sicily, because it's something that I'm really interested in. It's something that we're going to talk about in this book, but um, just some how you can connect the dots. So we've mentioned so we've mentioned Cesare Bonventre. We have Frank yeah. as a guest. I'm here as a Bucciolato, Joe Bucciolato. We talked about. We all have a common relative, and that was Martino Bucciolato. He was he was Correct. my dad's cousin. He's Frank's cousin. He's Cesare Bonventre's cousin. He married. He's a cousin by marriage. Right, right. So, so he he's killed in '82, and so um, that's that's just an example, one example of but what was how, going on back home. Right, right. and then um, Santo Giordano. He's a Bucciolato. He has relatives who are who are killed who are being killed in Castellamare at this time. So 
it's um it's it's pretty intense. So and Santo Giordano is paralyzed, right? In the three he paralyzed hit. in the uh in that in that three captain hit. That's correct. Stray bullet. Yeah, it was a friendly fire. Apparently, um, apparently, I uh, Nikki Santora shot it. Yeah, Nikki Mouth. Yep. Yeah. So, um, um, anyhow, back to sorry, if you want to go back to the nineties, I just I wanted to. Yeah. So, so now we're so we're getting into the late nineties, and I think this is when you start to see some of the um, chickens come home to roost, if you will, some of the chinks in the armor. Uh, especially that this 98, early 99 period where he uh, names TG, Anthony Graziano, uh, Joe Massino names Graziano his consigliere. And there is some criticism of this decision because Graziano, I guess it's not a secret likes to dabble sometimes in uh, recreational right. nar- narcotics. And yeah. uh, George from Canada makes some comments to Messino and then to some other people about it not being a um, a smart choice to fill that job. And whether or not the people in Canada knew or not, Messino decides to, to kill George from Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. But there, there's a lot of scenarios to that. You know, uh, Joe himself says that, not to me or anyone, he said that on, uh, I think, on uh, in court somewhere that um, they George was responsible for the guy who got killed in Canada that was made, and nobody even um, informed uh, New York about it. The guy, the guy who got into drugs, um, he was a made guy. I forgot his name, and uh, that was one of the reasons. There's other reasons that that just they they felt that they didn't have time anymore for uh, dealing with the Sicilian faction. So it, it, it was a number of a lot of things. Were they close? Did you know it was Messino and and George from Canada? Did they have a? Yeah, they went back. They, they of course they went back. And um, Georgia, even among the Sicilian faction, was one of the most respected out of the Sicilians. Um, you know, he was always at funerals, always at weddings. Uh, every time he seen, he was. You could tell that everybody gravitated around him, especially in the nineties when uh, a lot of the people weren't around anymore. Uh, so, yeah, they they went back. They went back as far as the, I that I know of, and that's based on the, the three captain hits on 81, they, and even before that. So was he, do you think he was getting pressure from other people to kill him? Or you think it just came from... No, it could have been arrogance. It could have been like, you know, let's just make a message. This is a good message to make. Could have been a lot of things. Maybe uh, maybe the, 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 the everything, TG thing. Because um, Giorgio had that thing about him that he felt that he was probably, uh, I don't think, I don't think, superior but just that the same and that could have bothered joe, uh joe yeah it seems like well, there's that a, there's a pattern here. Here. Huh? Yeah, there's, there seems to be a pattern here of that there is a pattern. Sicilian, <laughs> if joe was still out on the street after the day he died and he was still the boss and he would have seen a sicilian getting a little bit more of a you know, uh, a little bit more uh, play than him he would have did said about it that he definitely had that in his mind would you say that the morale of the family was started to dwindle at that point because, because precisely because George was so popular and well liked because it didn't fool anyone right like the they had the roads right they had the yeah New York nobody gave a shit nobody gave sh- that's interesting okay Montreal right is all friends whatever but the the Italians that were there at the time they didn't ask no questions they were making money didn't and that was it life went on. Yeah, because they had this whole ruse, uh, Scott. I don't know if you remember. Like, yeah, they like, blame it on the Albanians. They stuck, <laughs> they, they dropped them on the street. You know, all that other stuff. Right, which I don't think anyone bought. Right, I don't think oh, anyone bought yeah. that. But, but, but maybe they didn't care either way. Anyhow, that's inter- that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody talks about, and this is important. Everybody always talks about the Sicilian faction of the Bonanno family, and I and I've said this, and I'm always going to say this. It died in the mid '80s. Anybody who was Sicilian and still around Joe Messino, it was because they were doing uh, they were doing whatever Joe Messino wanted them to do. You, know, you, you follow me? Yeah. yeah. And and that's just the way it is. And you know, you get people, all these uh 
mobologists and fanatics out there. They're like, oh, no, there was a meeting in Italy and they were talking about uh, relations in New York. you got to remember, a lot of people from my town have family back home. So every time somebody who knows somebody here talks to somebody who knows somebody over there, uh, the wheels turn on these people. You know, they, they that's what they want, but it's not going on. There, there were a number of people. Sorry, Jimmy, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say to that point, there's there's sometimes law enforcement in Italy will will get surveillance of mafiosi in Castellamare and they'll see guys from New York going over there and they're and they're meeting. And then the media in Italy, in Italia, right, like they'll usually yeah. report it as some kind of nefarious conspiracy, global conspiracy. And um, yeah. I think Frank's point is or sometimes they're just related to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and they're and they're meeting because they're related to each other and they're interacting and it's not necessarily mafia shit. I mean, I know people, legitimate people that Castellamonese that 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 have relatives, at least eight or nine or ten of them, that's still in some form of uh, life. Not today, more maybe maybe back in the day. And they, yeah, you know, what's that mean? You know, and then the people that they mention. I mean, you got to know these people to understand. I wouldn't believe it I, I, if you knew them. And what's being written about them, you'd be like, no, you got the wrong people. It's ridiculous. With the George from Canada hit, uh, you had a more than one uh, major player in, in the Bananos that Messino named as a participant in the conspiracy that never actually got charged in the murder. One of them, uh, again, I'm not afraid to say this, it's, it was in court testimony, was the or is the reputed current boss of the Bananos, Mikey Mancuso. Um, I know that uh, Tony uh, Tony Green was also someone that was alleged to have played a role. I think he delivered the gun. And uh, right. now, I, I've never heard that. All I knew is what I was in jail with both uh, Patty and. Um, yeah. And Pat, so Pat, Pat, yeah, just so, so Johnny Joe uh, Spirito and right. Patty, Patty from the Bronx were the ones that yeah. actually went went down for the hit. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember. I was in I was in the bullpens with them and in jail as well. Patty um, died in Patty died in prison. In prison, and, correct. Uh, Johnny Johnny Joe's out right now and is yeah. the you know reputed uh, underboss. No. Yeah, I, I didn't know the particulars about that case at all. And um, if you know anything about me, I don't like to talk about anybody active. But I, oh, I okay. even even if I wanted to, I I just did, don't know anything about that. No, I'm just throwing it out there for the audience to know. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I get it. I didn't know that was news to me. I, I yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Didn't know that. And I, and I don't want to throw this name out there uh, for whatever reason, but I know that someone. That's yeah, of course, of course. Supposed yeah. to supposed to be a capo right now uh, in the Queens faction was uh, the person that uh, supplied the car. So there, there were like three people that were pretty integral in in the conspiracy to murder George from Canada that uh, never actually God, had God. to account, account for it in, in in a court of law. So that brings uh -huh. us into the into the two thousands which is sure. really kind of the end of the line for Joe Messino. His last three years in power, at least on the street, uh, well, from 2000 to 2003. Kind of maybe talk to us a little bit about what the feeling amongst the uh, rank and file were there as the uh, new millennium hit. Well, the new millennium hits, and I think he's probably the only guy out at this point, if I'm correct. And the papers start with the last Don, all that yeah. kind of. All, all, all that kind of media talk. And it, you kind of had the feeling that eventually uh bust were going to come a, a about. And, and, and why you say, because it was taken, they were starting to take banana guys down now, like Spiro and the bad Avenue crew. Then you had Baldo and the Janini crew. So they were taking these guys out looking for anybody who knew anything about something. So at, at that, at that time, they, the uh, the uh, district attorney, the, the AUSA was Jim Walden, and he was working on the case. And then after that, Andres, Greg Andres, takes over the case, and he goes with that with, with whatever he gets. And that was the chains that started moving on uh, Operation Machino. You know, they they get all these uh, smaller smaller participants uh, or or tell on a couple of captains and another boss in one incident and see what they could get out of that. That was all to see who would flip right away. Um, we get taken down in 2002 of March, first 14, 
Nobody flips in that case, believe it or not. But in October 2002, that's when they bring in Coper and Canarella, and they're the ones who flip on um, on Messino. Was it? Was it? Uh, well, I actually flip on one that flips on Messino on, on Sonny Black, and one flips on Vitali. When Vitali comes in, that's the beginning of the end. He just but with Co- with with Copa though. Let's just I want to unpack this for a second. Sure. With Frank Copa, this is a guy that was known strictly as an earner. I think I think everybody on the street knew. Even though I think he did a little bit of time at some point, but I think people understood that Frank Copa wasn't a guy that was going to be able to do a long sentence, as opposed to Canarella, who's who's flipping was probably a little bit more shocking. But once Copa got jammed up, didn't it kind of make sense with the kind of guy Copa was that he was going to cut a deal? Not really, because he was looking at another five or six years, uh, where Canarella was looking at two murders. Okay, so. Um... Copa brings in. Copa didn't want to do four or five more years in jail. He had. He was in there already for three or four years. Yeah. And and they were gonna supersede him on another case. And and um. And he said, "Nah, he wasn't doing. He was a big man. He was in the best of health." And and he flipped. And then after that, Canarella flipped. And he had two bodies on him. Right. Bobby, so, uh, per- Bobby Perino and. Uh... Uh, Perino and uh, the, I think the Mirror moment, if I'm correct, I think it was yeah, the Mira Anthony Mirror is on Yeah, 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 yeah. But that that's how that went down. And after they flipped, people, other people flipped. Like Joe D'Amico didn't even make it to the to the um, didn't even get arrested. He went straight to the freaking DA, DA's office to see if here I am. What do you want to know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, so that was like the third guy that flipped. There was so many. Like another guy, Pete Rosa, flipped. Um, that that didn't even get arrested. They, the list went on. And so, where's the chronology here, where where you get swept up in the in a in a case too, and 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 how you end up with Messino? Uh, well, explain that to us, please. Well, the indictment at, at the end of that, they had like close to 60, 70 people, but I was one of the first to be arrested on that indictment, on that banana indictment. Uh, and he gets arrested a year later after the information that these people give on him. Okay, so what uh, was yeah, for me? I was arrested in two thousand two. He was arrested in two thousand and three. Then you eventually got to know him when you guys are both in a uh, protection. Yeah, unit? because at that point, a lot of people starting to take. Once he gets arrested, a lot of these people want to disassociate from him, like TG, for example. And he got a pretty good deal on his case. He got like nine years. He took it. Um, so the only ones that were left were guys were fucking uh, that were looking at a lot of time, and then we ended up going through co-defendant meetings just to find out, to weave out who's telling on, on me, who's telling on them, and see what we're trying to make the connections. You get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for about a year, a year and a half, we used to, uh, about a year and a half, we used to go down to the MDC building and uh, and have our co-defendant meetings. And w- what was your sense of him at at, at that time? Um, friendly. I mean, nice. Just uh, you know, nice. And then when 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 you you could tell when he was serious. You could tell when he was just fucking around. You can tell when you had the feeling of just well, we're fucked. You know. Um, but his demeanor just fucking started changing when his uh, brother-in-law. He finds out his brother-in-law uh, flipped. He got real. Um, you could tell his shoulders were were down and um. Just wasn't the same person as when I met him. It, it kind of like made a lot of when Sal flipped. It made a lot of other people um, give up too. I guess they were like, you know what, fuck this. Frank Lino was one of them. Exact, you know, uh, he flipped. Um, there was a lot of people that that were flipping right after him. So you're saying up until that point, Messino still thought maybe he had a way to. Uh, slip oh, most this. definitely. He would he, he'd say that himself because the only person I got to beat is Sal, you know, and, and that was it. At one point, it was just me and him left. Everybody was taking pleas. I was six days before trial, and obviously he was going to trial, and then, you know, I flipped. We talked about that, and, and that was it. Yeah, go ahead. Did you, did, you, did you know him, though, like after all the cooperation? Were you locked up with him? No, no, you're not allowed. To, you're not allowed to be locked up with the same people you testify okay. against. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They don't want you to cooperate. Or anything. Oh, so you, okay. I, I, okay. I'm. I'm sorry. I messed up the chronology. You were. You were one of the people that testified at his trial. He. He flipped after he was convicted. 
He flipped after he was convicted, which is yeah. uh, you're an ex district attorney, am I correct? Yeah. So you know that's very uh, tough to do unless you really got the goods, because after you flip. Um, they're not going to take your deal anymore. Not most people anyway, but there's certain few that they do. And he, he, he fit that. They took him. A, he brought a lot. He brought a lot to the table for the, for the government. He's the biggest head on the wall the government ever had. Yeah. In that, well, in that yes. world. I, I think so. Anyway, some people might argue it's the guy in Arizona. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, Frank. I'm with you on that, though. I, so I know at this point you're you're isolated from from people on the street for obvious reasons, both just, you know, where you're at and and what, you know, right. your decision. Um, did you get did you hear any like any rumors or anything from anyone when when Messino decided to flip? Did, did you hear any any rumors like on the street? Like what was the sense of people still active? I mean, had they were, were did they see that coming or were they completely shocked? Um, I would, I, I, no, I didn't hear from, I, I haven't heard from anybody active in, since I flipped. Yeah. Um, and that's 20 years or even in, even around those people. But sure. at the same time, I've, I've heard from other people that are still in the neighborhood and they, and, and, and yes, they were very shocked. Of course. I mean, with Jimmy and I, we've talked about it before and I, I have no problem expressing this belief, but, and I'm interested on Frank's take on it. I mean, I, I say shame on the government for even making that deal. I, I don't see the point. I, I mean, I do because, like you said, he's bringing a lot to the table. And, and right. I guess the government does a cost-benefit analysis. They see that the, the benefits outweigh the, the negatives. But right. what the, the fact that you would take someone like that and then use him to go after people that were underneath him just seems like it's uh, counter to the way that it it should go. It should be the little guys take down the big guy, not the big guy takes down the lesser ranking guys. It, it just didn't happen. It never happened that way. So people weren't ready for that. You know, well, not in Italian yeah. organized crime anyway. You get you get to see that in other organizations, but not that one. And yeah, it, it was a surprise. But what do you do? I mean, imagine every boss flip. They, you know what they bring? You know what they can get, give you? Uh, some of these guys, maybe he didn't give you as much as uh, another boss could give you. You know, imagine uh, what they know. They know more. They're the boss. They know everything, right? Yeah, I I think it's um I, I can understand the cost benefit analysis, but I'll also I, I agree with Scott like from an ethical perspective. Yeah, 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 well. yeah. It doesn't it doesn't sit well with me either. Yeah, no, the guy who tells you to do it's like letting Charles Manson go and uh, his followers, you know. Right, yeah, right. I mean, I, I get it. That's a good analogy. This isn't a guy. This isn't a guy that murdered one or two people. I mean, this is a guy that was responsible for. You know, well over. Yeah, what lesson, dozen dozen what lesson are we sending out there when you when when the boss gets uh, is a lot to tell. You know, that's just he should be paying for everything. That's his responsibility. Yeah, I agree because something we didn't we didn't talk about really. You guys just acknowledged it, but because we, we talked about more when when Joe Messina was a captain and a shot caller than the boss. When when he was on the come up, he was directly involved in murders himself. So you know his hands are pretty bloody, and and oh, to, yeah. get, to get a get out of jail, uh, you know, pass um, because he he turns on his subordinates uh, ethically and morally. I, I think that's very problematic. I would say. Well, the lesson I got from him was that in the in the in the time I was around him in, in jail is that he was he was very money oriented, you know, and he would do anything anything to keep that money so uh, who knows you know if um he was allowed to keep the money they told him you you get life would he take a life i don't know so when we say like that he, he reconciled with his family and I, frank i suspect you know because of your situation you, you don't have insight into this necessarily which is okay but maybe right. scott from your reporting i mean when we say he reconciled are we talking about the vitali family is that what is that what that's what I, his that daughter what his daughter well at least his daughters i can't speak about i don't uh, know his wife uh his ex-wife but i know that uh his daughters who hadn't been speaking to him uh, Brought yeah, a lot him of people back. do that. I mean, yeah. I, I brought him back case, to New York for the final month or two of his life. I'm probably one of the only few people that my family I don't, me and my family don't talk to each other. Um, but I, who knows? These people, that's what that's how they go about it. They don't want problems. 
I mean, it had again not to make it all about <laughs> Scott Bernstein's career. Benny hit the siren, but uh, Tony Zarelli, who was in the same uh, position as Joe Massino, the Detroit Mafia uh, longtime underboss, former acting boss, uh, who was shunned and kicked out of Detroit and uh, stripped of all of his physical assets his monetary assets his his action um, they took all yeah, his they took, took his everything crew, away yeah. from him yeah. and at the very end uh in the last couple of weeks uh he made amends with some of the people that had had promised to never speak to him again right uh, they uh they they were able to talk before um before he died so yeah, I mean, we're talking about my siblings. If they were my kids, I think it'd be a little bit different. You know, it is what it is. I haven't spoke to them since I flipped, and um, my my parents are not longer with us. So it's just, I don't know. I don't even think about it anymore. I tell you the truth. Yeah, uh, I was just saying when I heard when I heard about that, I thought of Tony's really when I heard about yeah. going back to New York to die. Yeah, I think when we when we had Tony DiStefano on, I think that was just the audio podcast, not video. I asked him if he heard that Messino was talking to his family. And I believe someone can go back and listen to the episode and fact check me on this. I believe Tony DeStefano said this was what, Scott, three, four years ago, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think he said his understanding was they at that point, they weren't. They still yeah. weren't talking to Messino. No, they weren't. Yeah. OK. Um, so, uh, Frank, um, as we wrap up here, um, you want to talk to it? We've already you know, mentioned that we're working on a project about uh, the bananas. Yeah. And the Sicilians. Anything else you want to let our audience know about where they can where they can find you? Well, I, I usually sometimes I like to go on a Gunsmoke show and uh, mess around with him a little bit. It's, it's pretty cool. If it's not always mob, it's a little variety of everything. And we just joke around and fuck around and. That, that, that's because even myself uh, probably like I get sick of the mob stuff sometimes. No offense. <laughs> no, hey, no, yeah, yeah, no, no we do. Yeah, some of our um, I get sick of it too. I write about it every day. Sometimes I get sick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, no, I, I, I get it. Some of our, some of my favorite episodes are are about the cartels and the bikers and the stuff. Just because uh, you know the LCN stuff, I just like to, to diversify it. But but even at, to your point, I'm just interested in other things. But yeah, shout out to Gunsmoke to Don. Uh, I was uh, Frank brought me on there the other day and um, he is so funny. I mean, that dude, I encourage people to check yeah, out. Very creative. He's so funny. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I laugh out loud and I text Frank that I'm laughing my ass off watching his. So just to give people some context, Scott and I don't get involved in this stuff, but with some of the people that have a podcast like we do, there's a lot of infighting and I'm, I'm not going to mention any content creators. names. No. People know what we're talking about. There's a lot of people out there that like to fight with each other and diss each other. And so what Gunsmoke does is he creates these parodies of the people that are fighting with each other. And it's really funny because it's not me. I don't think it's mean spirited. I think he's just it's sort not. of like, it really uh, it's kind of light, you know, he's just sort of kind of making fun of the absurdity of it. And uh, he, he's really talented, creative dude. So, um, you know, maybe one of these days we'll figure out a, a way to get Gunsmoke on, on on our show too, and 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 yeah, talk with yeah. him. He's he's a funny guy, and Frank goes on there a lot. So so check it out, Wait, Frank. Yeah, before, I, I, you go, before we let you go, just answer one question: what What's the legacy of of uh, Joe Messino? Like, what's in a hundred years when people are studying him? What are people gonna? Other than the fact that he was the first major New York boss to to flip. I, I'm going to go by like when he died, right? For example, it, it was really quiet. You'd figure, I thought there was going to be more reception yep. from it from I the agree. New York media or anybody. I, I just think that he killed his legacy, bro. Um, I just think that when he flipped that, that, that was gone. I, um, I don't know if people are going to know who he is uh, in a hundred years. I'll be honest with you. He doesn't have that uh, Al Capone uh, or about him, you know, or even, or even let's say John Gotti. We'll know who he is a hundred years from now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think the rat life is not too fucking popular. Even, even uh, people going to know, say me to both a hundred years. Well, probably not. No, you yeah, make a John Gotti. Don't, then he'll be like uh, uh, he'll be like that. Who who shot uh, Booth? You know, he shot Abraham Lincoln. You just know that he shot Booth, and that's it. But Abraham Lincoln's, um, it, it, you know, legacy's gonna live on forever. You know what I mean? No, that's a good. An that's a great answer. And I I like how you just pointed out that the 
you thought that this would make a much bigger splash in uh, yeah. in the in I the media, really did. and it didn't. It, it it was a little ripple, but uh, it, it was I, I, yeah. And that was when you asked me before where you know when I first heard. I figured by the next day it was going to be on every paper in uh, in New York City at least, and nah, to my dismay, it was nothing. You know. We're gonna we're gonna uh, wrap up, Frank. Thanks for your time. By the way, yeah, yeah. Frank, uh, stay on stay on though with us yeah. when we when we stop recording because I, I want to ask you a couple of other things. But uh, Frank, thanks a lot for spending some thanks, time. Thanks for us. joining us, Frank. Definitely, definitely. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah. I'm sorry I was a little bit uh, out of it today. <laughs> no, it's, no it's this was great. This was great. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun to get your unique perspective on this. So thanks everyone for listening. Uh, again, please uh, check us out on s- social media. Please subscribe to us. I'm Jimmy Bucciolato. I'm Scott Bernstein. We're out. See you next time.